Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to mini episode 303 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from July the 18th 2023 and story number one comes from Susan. The story is really a couple of stories that eventually join together with the common link of a psychic. I know, I know, but this woman was good. I'm definitely a believer in the paranormal having had experiences in nearly every house that I've lived in. There is also the belief in our family that all the women on my mum's side have the gift. Myself, my mum, my auntie, my sister and female cousins have all had eerie experiences that we cannot explain. After a few uneventful months of living in my unit that I moved into after living abroad for two years, I started having odd experiences. Constantly feeling like I wasn't alone, I did live alone, seeing fleeting shadows out of the corner of my eye. As a nurse, I came home from night shift one morning and was chilling on the couch before going to bed and felt a distinct cold hand run down my lower leg, followed by seeing shadows on my couch that just did not make logical sense. Being snuggled down in bed for the night and feeling the soft breath of a little child on my cheek again, living alone. As a sceptical believer, I always would try and debunk what was happening, Where was the light source that could produce the shadows I was seeing? Was it air escaping from under my doona causing the breath on my cheek? The crux was one night having been engrossed in a book that had incredible twists and turns, so much so that I couldn't put it down. I got to the last chapter and realised the time was just after midnight and I had to get up in a little over five hours to be ready for my 12-hour shift. I was so hyped up after reading the end of the book that I didn't know if I'd be able to get to sleep, so I got up to have a wee and get a glass of milk. My bedroom was on the end left of a long corridor, the toilet at the other end. At the toilet end, the corridor terminated where the kitchen and the lounge room doorway met. Imagine a T intersection with the lounge on the right and the kitchen on the left and my bedroom at the bottom of the T. I came out of my room and I started down the corridor when I was stopped in my tracks as I watched two legs and only legs, no body or anything above the knees, walk from the lounge room into the kitchen. These were little legs, like that of a child aged five or six. I froze and my whole body was covered in goosebumps. I knew I wasn't dreaming as I was so wired from reading the book. Chatting with colleagues over the next few days, my encounter came up in conversation. One colleague, A, had recently been to see a psychic, and she was blown away by this woman's accuracy. I got the psychic's details and made an appointment to see her the following week, 
with my mum coming along. As I said earlier, I'm a nurse, an NICU nurse specifically, and at the time I was working in a level 6 surgical centre where newborn babies requiring intensive and surgical care would be referred for treatment. My appointment with a psychic was made for a Wednesday afternoon, after I'd had a sleep after the night shift. Before Mum and I went to see her, we discussed that we would not give any leading answers, i.e. if the psychic said, I'm getting someone with a J name coming through, we wouldn't say, oh, that's my pop, John. We would just nod in acknowledgement and see what else she had to say. The reading began with my mum, but the psychic kept coming back to me, saying the spirits kept redirecting her to do me first. She started by saying she's getting a baby or a small child coming through by the name of Daisy. I didn't directly know any baby called Daisy. My friend had a cat called Daisy, but that was it. But then it dawned on me. The night before, on my night shift, I admitted a baby called Daisy to the ward. So I say nothing, I just nod and let the psychic continue. She starts saying that Daisy has something wrong with her heart, a hole. This baby I admitted did in fact have a hole in her heart, known as a ventricular septal defect, VSD. The psychic then doubles over in what looked to be intense pain, clutching her stomach and groaning saying how much her stomach hurt. Daisy was admitted with the primary issue of a twist in her bowel, a very painful and potentially fatal condition requiring immediate surgical intervention. By this stage I acknowledged that I did know of a Daisy, but had not confirmed any of the details she provided. Finally she asked me, Is Daisy really yellow? This baby also had liver problems and was incredibly jaundiced, so yes, very, very yellow. There's no way she could have known I worked with babies, had looked after a baby with the name she picked, and also with three very specific conditions that she described bang on. We went on to discuss my encounter with the legs and all of the other things that were happening. She said the ghost's name was Rachel, a little girl of six, and that she was attached to the land rather than to the house and that she'd come to me because I have the gift mentioned earlier. I only had a few more odd encounters with Rachel, but nothing as strong as seeing the legs. I tried researching what was on the land before my unit was built circa the 1970s, but I couldn't find any decent information. Now here's the thing, right? Susan, as you rightly point out, I've said a lot about psychics and dodgy psychics and psychics who maybe do not have the best intentions or who just, you know, engage in elaborate guesswork. However, I have personally met psychics who have blown my mind and we've had many many a story about a psychic who has blown the person's mind who's written in the story. Oh, and just to be really clear, the names of the people in this story, including the child, have been changed so, um, so as to protect the identity of the people involved. It is amazing that the psychic was able to specifically name a child and three conditions that this child presented with. Because if she had just said, you know, a baby with jaundice, you'd kind of go, okay, well, lots of babies have jaundice. It's quite a common thing. But not lots of babies have VSD, a torsion in their bowel and jaundice all at the same time. I wonder with psychics like this, when they give you this sort of information where they say, you know, this sort of thing has happened in your life where you've experienced this person, whatever, and it's accurate. Is that the universe's way of being like, you can trust this person. They do actually know spooky things. So just listen to them. Like, is it fundamentally a way of forming a connection? And I'm glad that she was able to give you information about the haunting in your house 
because seeing disembodied legs must have been terrifying. Seeing the disembodied legs of a child, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Probably worse, to be honest. But at least, you know, you can say, look, I spoke to a psychic and they said it was this girl called Rachel. It's completely benevolent. It'll be fine. She's not going to, you know, possess me in the middle of the night and make my head spin around and make me projectile vomit. And maybe it is just the fact that you have the gift that you, you know, were able to see this and able to see this little girl. And again, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Anytime I hear stories about people with a gift, I'm like, oh, I'm glad it's you and not me. Because I don't know how I'd be able to cope with feeling a cold hand grab my leg or feeling somebody's breath on my face. You know, and it's interesting that you could feel this sort of child's breath on your face. And of course you're going to go, oh, it's probably just air from under my duvet, you know, whatever. You'd try and rationalise it away. But then this psychic is like, you got a little girl haunting your house. Oh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. And story number two comes from Ali. I work as a teacher in a school that is turning 100 years old this year. It's a very exciting time for our school. As a 100-year anniversary present, I requested the gift of air conditioning because it is hot. We probably won't get it, but I'm putting it out into the universe. I've worked there for seven years and somehow keep coming back. I say it that way because the kids are tough. Generational poverty, multiple mental health issues, undiagnosed disorders, trauma, all needing the most of me for their own ways. It's exhausting. But I keep being drawn back to the school instead of running for the hills. Besides the craziness of the day-to-day, I've experienced some interesting things there. In my first year... A chair fell down right in front of me during a lesson and as I was helping a student, I felt someone was beside me waiting for help and when I went to look over, nothing was there. I told the student I was helping that I thought someone was there and he said, me too. So creepy. I was there after 5pm one night in the winter when it was dark and I had to turn out all the lights and I was so freaked out that I ran. It was just an overall eerie feeling my first year. Each year, students say the bathroom is haunted. Certain kids are afraid to go alone, so I typically break my rule of one kid at a time in the bathrooms for those kiddos. In my second year, two boys were so afraid to go to the bathroom that they developed a problem and had to go to the doctors. In that same year, I had a kid stay in for recess to vent about home life, and she came with me to pick something up down the hall. I heard footsteps in the room beside me and investigated because they were having Pokemon card thefts happen at the time. I followed the steps around the cloakroom and nothing was there. The kid I was with said she heard the steps as well. Later on I was getting ready for school in the morning and heard knocks on my closet door in my room. Nobody was on the other side and the teachers chatting next door heard nothing. It was clear knocks though. When I returned from having my first baby, I was moved to another room on the main floor. And because we had to wear face masks and shields, I didn't stay late or come in early so I felt nothing. When I returned from having my second baby, I moved to the upper floor into the room with the footsteps and again felt nothing. The energy was so chaotic though, I hate that room. Maybe I'm too busy now to focus on ghost feelings. However, the kids are again talking about a haunted bathroom with the toilets moving, the stall doors opening, etc. This bunch has been really into the ghosts. They were conducting child seances using a hula hoop outside the girls' bathroom, secretly using Ouija apps on their phone, and I had to keep my cool and say, knock it off. 
One student kept saying to me that she was seeing a woman with a slit throat and was crying every time. This is grade three, by the way. I couldn't even process that one. But it turns out she's very anxious and tried all the ways to go home. Maybe she saw something. But as she got used to me through the year, the story went away. Anyway, I asked to go into my original room for the next school year. The teacher that was previously in it is into Reiki, mindful breathing, and gave the room a fabulous energy, so I'm excited to return to this room. I'm always up for talking ghosties with anyone who will listen and love hearing stories of other schools. My previous principal had heard a principal's son had hanged himself in the basement. I went into that room this year. There's a deep well in there, super creepy. One school nearby has a room where a teacher took their own life in it and every teacher since has had something weird happen to them. Nothing specific though. Another teacher said in a school nearby she was working late and some guy popped his head in to check on her and scared her. When she said he scared her, he disappeared. So I've never had anything like that happen, but I'm always curious what other teachers experience and keep away from their students. Ali, regardless of all of the paranormal stuff, I hope against all hopes that you get the gift of air conditioning because it is so hard trying to teach loads of children in a classroom when it's really hot. It is, it is hard work. It is a horrible feeling. So with, with nothing else, I hope that you get your air conditioning. When I stop and think about why a school might potentially be haunted, there is the really sad reality that for a lot of children, I I know that you said you teach grade three, which I believe is like kind of eight or nine years old. For a lot of children, school is a place of routine and stability and calm and boundaries. And it would make sense that they would come back there after they had passed away. I mean, if that's even how it works, you know, if if you die and you get to choose where you go back and haunt, I don't know. It also makes sense that there would be residual energy. It's a place of routine. It's a place of high human emotion and energy and kids and adults doing the same thing every single day. It would make sense that there would be residual energy, you know. Many moons ago, I taught in an inner city Dublin school and <laughs> I remember this girl, I suppose she would have been about 13 or 14, just turned around to me one day and was like, I see dead people. I see ghosts all the time. And I was like, okay. And she was incredibly earnest. Incredibly earnest. And I always wonder what happened to her. It must be very scary though, Ali, to, you know, to be teaching in that building. Obviously you're teaching during the day, you don't have time to even think, you're just going, going, going. But in the evenings when you're doing extra stuff, hearing footsteps, getting feelings like somebody is there, like that all must be a lot to cope with and contend with. And you know what? You deserve the world for going back to a tough school year in, year out, because it's hard. It's really, really hard. But, you know, for a lot of those kids, like I said, seeing you every day might be a sense of stability. And that's pretty amazing. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And story number three comes from Sarah. It all started when I was young, still in single digits, although I don't remember how old I was exactly. My family and I were living in this house on top of a hill, surrounded by more families with lots of kids. We made lots of great memories in this house and lived in it for about five years. Now the creepy bits. I always had a strange feeling in this house. I was terrified to sleep in my room by myself. I don't remember why, but I couldn't be caught dead in this room at night. More times than not, I slept in my brother's room. I had two brothers who shared a room, so they had bunk beds. I was the baby little sister, so they didn't mind too much having me crash in their room. Normally, I just switched between bunks, and when they kicked me out, I would go to my parents' room. Now, when my parents were tired of bed sharing, I would literally go sleep on the couch in the living room, and yet my parents never questioned why I wouldn't sleep in this room. The second occurrence was the number of shadows that I saw in this house. The main shadows were in the dining room. Every single time we sat down for a meal as a family, normally dinner, I would see shadows moving up and down the wall and the hallway leading to the bedrooms. And these shadows ranged from plain black masses to full body skeletons. No one else in my family seemed to notice and once I asked my mom, Mommy, whose shadows are those? You see the ones going down the hallway? And she, in classic mom fashion, just said it was my imagination. So a little me freaking out on the inside, but no one else said anything so I kept my mouth shut for the rest of the time that we lived there. From then on, I've always seen shadows in my peripheral vision, but once I turn to look, there is nothing there. Now, I don't know if that's a medical condition or it happens to everyone, but who knows? Maybe I can see things. That is something I don't want to fully bring up because the spooky ghost stuff scares the ever-living crap out of me. This next story comes from my boyfriend's sister, so I will be typing it out as she told me. When Emily was just about two years old, she started having an imaginary friend named Kelly. Now, I don't think too much into this because I already had a friend named Kelly, so I was like, oh, she's two, so it might be the only name coming to her. Every time this kid talked on her play phone, she was always talking to Kelly. It was all about Kelly. Fast forward a bit and we stopped hearing about Kelly. Then this kid comes up to me and says, Mommy, this isn't our house, it's Kelly's house. Then she stated that she was no longer friends with Kelly and we stopped hearing about her really. Now fast forward a couple of more years and another child later. Once Kelsey was around two, she was playing around me in the living room, picked up her play phone and said, Oh hi Kelly. I just about shit myself. As far as I know, the girls never talked about Kelly and Kelsey wasn't even born yet when Emily first started talking about her. Now on a side note, the girls shared a room on the opposite end of the house from where their father and I slept. 
This room was the only room that was part of the original foundation and structure from the original house that was built there. The old house was torn down and this new house was built around it. But they had to leave one wall up from the old house so it would be considered renovations and not a new home build. Now back to the story. The girls would not sleep in this room. They would play in this room together or as long as someone else was with them but never sleep no matter what I did. If they did happen to sleep in this room every night at 3am they would come into our bed. Sharing a bed with your husband, your two kids all while pregnant was not ideal so the girls got moved into a nursery that was right next to our room. After that they had no trouble sleeping. When their aunt comes to visit she'll sleep in that room because it is the only other space we have available for someone to sleep in. Their aunt however knows about the whole Kelly situation. She had said that every single night she sleeps in that room, she wakes up at around 2.30 to 3am without fail. Every single night. She said that she wakes up because it is either scalding hot or freezing cold in that room, no matter what the temperature is set at. Back to Emily. Another year or so went by and she told her older cousins that there was a dead body in the woods. We live out in this rural area surrounded by woods. Of course, we go to investigate we find an old woodshed thing that was toppled over with a bunch of stuff underneath. I just noped the fuck out of there and told the girls never to mess with it. Years later and we still don't know if there's anything under that thing. I tried to do a little research into the original house and family but couldn't find much. I did, however, find a Kelly who lived about 30 minutes north of us who went missing in the 70s. But I didn't know if there was any relation Lastly, I asked Emily if she has ever seen Kelly and she said, not so much in the house, but sometimes in the woods. If they have black eyes, talk about past lives, fill your heart with dread standing by your bed, see ghosts in their room or foretell your doom, they're a creepy kid. Thank you, Mary, for your interjection. Um, I obviously could not have put it better myself because it sounds like there's some creepy kid shit going on here. And I don't know what to tell you in terms of shadow people. I mean, I know there are so many people in the paranormal community who believe that shadow people are a whole, almost like genus of ghost. Like there is a whole subset of ghosts that is just shadow people who live in this shadow realm and sometimes knock about on the periphery of human vision. And it is totally understandable. So, you know, the next story that you talked about came from your boyfriend's sister right and she obviously had a friend named Kelly so I presume that Emily is her daughter and she is probably and you'd be right in thinking that Emily is going to name her imaginary friend a name that she already knows like Kelly you know but when these imaginary friend stories pass down between siblings as in you've got one sibling who talks about imaginary friends and then another sibling comes along and they have the same imaginary friend that's when it starts to get really freaky And I'm sorry to say it, but even the fact that there was a missing girl named Kelly who lived about 30 minutes north of you and went missing in the 70s. I know that you don't want to jump to conclusions, but I'm going to jump to conclusions for you. Is it possible that that's who Emily and Kelsey were seeing? And is that why Emily later predominantly was like, I only see her in the woods and then talked about a body being in the woods? Oh, kids are so freaky. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Susan, Ali and Sarah for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story comes from July the 18th, 2023.
And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra spooky content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.